You're listening to The Pithy Chronicle. History with a bite. I'm Caroline. And I'm Erica. And we bring you history's dirtiest deeds dripping with sarcasm. Are you hungry yet? Welcome back, Pithy listeners. I'm Erica, and I am so excited to present to you a little bit of a new format. Oh! Caroline is hearing about this for the first time. Cool! Yeah, cool. When I set out to write this episode, I didn't know how to condense it. And so I really want to go down a bit of a rabbit hole. The weirdest military weirdness that the I weirdest find. military weirdness. I can't believe you didn't find that a succinct way of putting it. Shocking. <laughs> I knew that Warcraft was weird and wacky and wild, but oh my People goodness. People come up with some strange ideas. They do. They do. Only a man could come up with things this stupid. <laughs> so we are diving into some of the biggest what the F moments that have ever happened. Done. I'm down for what the F moments. So for today, Caroline and I are going to do some supposition and some extrapolating, and then we're going to do the facts. Kind of flip-flop from what we're normally doing today. Interesting. Yes. All right, I'm down. Okay, first. Let's suppose away. I want to ask you if you know anything about the winged hussars. I know that the hussars is a cavalry type of thing. Yep, like cavalry. I could not tell you why they have wings. Okay. Were they flying unicorns? My daughter would want to know. They are not Pegasus, but... Oh, then my daughter has lost interest. They are not true Pegasus, <laughs> but... She's three. There is a picture, and I would love for you to describe it. Oh. Oh, interesting. This is a wonderfully active scene where a horse is rearing up on his hind legs with a mounted rider bedecked in armor and seemingly the armor includes wings yes like full angel wings but instead of feathers they almost look like they're made of the same steel that the armor is made of Mm. he carries a flag that does not look recognizable to me and there are others behind him that also have these lovely wings on well i think the flag is also a pole arm as well if you look there's the the skirt yep It's a deadly flag. Yes. And it looks like they're charging. And also the heavens are opening. So it looks like God is smiling on them. It's very Wagnerian, right? It's so Wagnerian, which fits perfectly for an episode I'm working on now. I had been rabbit holing about the Valkyrie and where that's shown up in later military strategy. And well, we have it here with the winged hussars. They were used primarily in Poland, and they were also known as Polish Hussars, and they are a shock cavalry. Shock, as in like, oh my god, it's shocking, they have wings? Yes, and they were formed during the 16th century and were used up until the 18th century until they became obsolete because of more advanced military technology. Right. You didn't need to ride into battle with wings to shock people anymore. You just had a cannon, or, you know, had tanks. (laughs) The winged hussars participated in many battles and their prowess on the battlefield cemented their reputation as formidable warriors. It was their wings that made them stand out from all other cavalry units. It would definitely stand out should I walk down the street and see three people, one of which had Yeah, wings. and imagine having an entire cavalry unit 
I think this is an amazing idea. Yeah. Someone had a great inspiration. Exactly. Somebody was reading one night, maybe was smoking a little something, and they were like, hey, you, you know, know what? what would be great? What if we just put wings on everybody? Amazing. <laughs> These wings are wooden frames attached eagle, vulture, or falcon feathers. Okay. Wooden structure pieces and feathers. Okay. And then I think later they add some metal. Mm-hmm. The wings were attached to the saddle of the hussar's horses and it seems to have changed a bit during the 17th century when the wings were actually attached to the armor instead but that would be very difficult for them to actually it would be a bit cumbersome function. right yeah they wouldn't be free yeah. to you know kill people as easily well i mean unless they were using their wings as a weapon what I don't know about the wings as weapon use. They're kind of situated on the back of the spine. Mm -hmm. They're not going to get in as much way, especially if you're the cavalry unit who's maybe not the first in. So your function is to come in with your sword, saber, pole arm and knock down the infantry unit. It's not hand-to-hand combat. Yeah. Well, and they're not going against another cavalry unit where you're going to be having horses dancing together. They're coming in to clean the field. Pick off the survivors. It's unclear as to the exact function of the wings, which you were kind of alluded to. Some have argued these were just for parades, though historical research shows that they were indeed used in battle, not just pretty. As long as you can keep the shock factor. Yeah. It would work. It would definitely buy you a few extra minutes, probably, because everybody would be like, wait, what? Do they have flying horses? Well, and some people have supposed that when they charged into battle, the wings would make a very shrill sound. <gasps> yeah. Oh, and so it was this that. extra anticipation of, oh my gosh. They're coming. Cool. Someone's coming for me. It's like they have their own yeah. theme music. Exactly. Another more plausible argument is that the wings were meant to just have the visual impact on onlookers and coupled with their, no joke, leopard skin capes pelt sewn together, the winged hussars would have presented a fearsome sight for yeah. those they were charging at. It's kind of like a griffin. Right? Almost. It's like they're creating an amalgamation of animals. To That's live cool. in the psyche of this weird place between legend and military lore. It's very interesting. Considering that their entire purpose is to disrupt the infantry, the damage was mostly psychological, but also physical. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Now, have you ever heard of the Great Emu War? No, but the image that comes to head is all these men riding emus. Okay, riding emus. Uh-huh. You know, some sort of a bridal situation. Bridal? Like like wedding bridal? Or no, like, like, like a, a horse bridal situation <laughs> no. where they're controlling the emus. I didn't. I don't know that emus are big enough to be ridden. I don't know. Look it up. How big are emus? Okay. Can you ride an emu? An emu. No, you should not ride an emu, says Google. Although they are large birds, they are not big enough or strong enough to support a full-grown human's weight. So I have to change now. This is a child army <laughs> riding emus. <laughs> That's my supposition. Hey, listen, I love it. That's what we're here for today. So the Great Emu War was fought between the 2nd of November, 1932, and December 10th of 1932. So that's a pretty quick turnaround, right? That's a quick war. It's more of a battle. Especially to call it the Great 
Amy War. That's true. The Great War was like five years. So, yeah. So, Mm -hmm. as silly as that may sound, it was fought between humans and the emus of Australia. I'm sorry. What? It's not a joke. I'm not joking. Like, this is not a joke. Did the emus have a battle plan? I mean, did they put out a white flag and surrender at the end? What on earth? It's so funny that you think the emus would have surrendered. (laughs) Oh, just wait. There were about 20,000 emus running around and damaging crops of farmers in Western Australia. It was a nuisance. So war must be waged. (laughs) Something had to be done to save the crops. So the government did the most sensible thing to do. (laughs) They declared war on the emus. (laughs) Legitimately, they were like, we are at war with the emu population. <laughs> Soldiers were deployed. Oh my god! Machine guns to deal with the pesky These birds. These poor birds! These poor birds that could easily have been ridden by young children. Things were not going as planned, though. They were tenacious, they were irascible. The emus were very agile and fast and evaded machine gun attacks. Oh my god, they had strategy. (laughs) The emu flocks dispersed into smaller groups, which then made it even harder to attack and track down. The birds even realized that if they maintained their distance from the soldiers, then the Lewis guns were too inaccurate to hit them. Stop it. These are the (laughs) smartest flipping birds. What is happening here? And why, after they realized these birds could fight back, or at least have some sort of strategic defense, did we not just say, I'm so sorry, birds? So, before the conclusion of this, let's just get some emu fast facts. Oh, goody. Emus can run at speeds up to 48 kilometers an hour. Faster than me. They're not slow. No. They could do some damage if they ran at you with that little beak of theirs. Right. Japan, where I am right now, I can't drive my car on local roads faster than 40 kilometers an hour. That's a valid point. They also eat rocks. They swallow large pebbles to help their stomachs grind up food. Yeah, yeah. Also, they have two sets of eyelids, one to open and close, but the other is like hyperspeed running mode to keep the dust out of their eyes. Oh my god, they have windshield wipers for eyelids? Essentially, yes. That's amazing. (laughs) They also are the only bird with calf muscles. They have calf muscles? They have calf muscles. It improves their running ability. Their unique, enormous strides help them to have a huge vertical leap up to 2.1 meters off the ground without the help of their wings. That was at six feet? That is six feet, friends. Six and change. And they're really strong swimmers. So you've got a bird who can run 48 kilometers an hour, jump almost six feet into the air, and swim. Not to mention... But, But they're facing machine guns. Lewis guns, no less. So, in the end... Wait, but who won? I'm about to tell you. In the end, okay. the military was not able to curtail the ever-growing population of the oh, emus, <laughs> resulting in one of the most humiliating defeats. Defeated by 
that's the time birds. <laughs> oh my god, that's amazing. Yeah. I like how they let it go on for over a month before they decided to yeah. wave the white flag. Oh my lord. So bold of you to initially assume that the emus would wave a white flag. I agree. I was obviously, obviously. incorrect. I had no idea that the emus had such powerful calf muscles, which really made all the difference. Yeah, do those calf lifts, guys. So on the theme of animals, what do you know about war elephants? Tell me more about that, your suppositions. Well, number one, I've seen the Lord of the Rings trilogy, so there's that. But beyond that, I know that they have been used in the past in India and Southeast Asia. Of course, Hannibal. Yes, good point, Hannibal brought them all the way to Rome. So I know that it is a thing, but I, I don't think they're actually all that useful because they're so slow. So apparently they actually- I know they had elephant fights. They would stage battles between them like you would do- Like, like a um, dog fight, but Like elephants? a dog fighter, but it was very regal because it was with elephants. Ooh. Yeah, it was quite common. I have two elephants to kill. They would be bred to fight. Mm. Uncool. Not great, but war elephants are actually a thing that was used well into the 19th century. Okay. War elephants played critical roles in several key battles in antiquity, especially in ancient India. They did see some limited periodic use in ancient China. They became permanent fixtures, though, in armies of historical kingdoms in Southeast Asia. Mm. And during classical antiquity, they were also used in Persia, in the Mediterranean, armies in Macedon, Hellenistic Greek states, the Roman Republic and later Empire, and Carthage in North Africa. It makes a lot of sense that Roman troops would have been like, what are these things? Oh my God, we need these, and brought them back. And then you've got the shock and the wow factor Mm -hmm. that you would with wings. Exactly. And in some regions, they maintained a firm presence on battlefields through the Middle Ages. And of course, not every area of the world had horses. So the cavalry is such a big deal in European battles. But if you didn't have horses, an elephant would have been more convenient than like a camel. Well, yeah, because a camel can't charge you. I mean, I guess they could, but... Mm. 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 (laughs) Anyway... Obviously, with the spread of firearms and gunpowder weaponry in the early modern warfare, their popularity declined because eventually there were elephant guns, and what you gonna do about that? There's an elephant gun? Yeah. What is an elephant gun? It's just a specially used firearm to kill an elephant. To hurt an elephant. Oh, no. Then they became relegated to non-combat engineering or labor roles. That makes more sense. They were used for ceremonies. However, they continue to be used in combat in some parts of the world, like Burma, Thailand, and Vietnam, well into, like I said, the 19th Places that didn't have horses and had lots of elephants. Exactly. Yeah, I can see that. All right. It is not just there a myth. There is a lot of information, so this is highly, highly condensed. I could have done a whole episode on these, but next is the War of the Oaken Bucket. <laughs> Oaken, but I don't even know. Yeah, give it your best shot. What could that be? War of the Oaken Bucket. I'm at a loss. Something about wine, maybe? No, it's barrel, not a bucket. Time period, anything? Come on, you're creative. The only time period that I can think where they would have fought over an oaken bucket would be like Dark Ages. (laughs) That's my bucket (laughs) to get water with. I don't know. I cannot. Yeah. Bucket? A bucket. 
All right, tell me, tell me. The Battle of Zappolino was fought between the Italian towns of Bologna and Modena in November of 1325. So you were pretty close to, not Dark Ages. Not Dark Ages, but medieval. The issue was instigated by the soldiers of Modena who went inside the territory of Bologna to steal a bucket from the city's main well. So I was right. It is a water bucket. It is a water bucket. bucket with which you hold water. And that's it. Okay. This was not taken well by the Bolognese. Why did they not just go get another bucket? I don't know. The Medina forces refused to hand the bucket back Was over. this bucket the world's largest bucket? I can't spoil it yet, so okay, hang on right. to that. Hang on to your bucket hats. What's next? When the forces from Medina refused to hand over the bucket, the Bolognese were forced, obviously, to invade with 30,000 <laughs> armed foot soldiers and 2,000 cavaliers. <laughs> The city of Medina was defended by only oh my by God. only five thousand foot soldiers and two thousand cavaliers. They didn't stand a chance to protect that dumb bucket. You say that, but within two hours they routed the invaders and chased them out. Oh. Yeah. Just kidding. Go Modena, yeah. despite your bucket-stealing habits. The unconquered bucket is still kept in the main bell tower of the city of Medina. Stop it! That's amazing! What is with this bucket? So... <laughs> oh my god. I just found pictures. Yeah. Oh wow. It is a plain, no-nonsense bucket. <laughs> Sitting now behind glass. It's a museum. I don't see any gold. No gold. It's given a pedestal now. Mm-hmm. It looks like it was never used again. It's in great shape to be from 1325. It survived the Great Wars? I... Why? I don't know. <laughs> what? Isn't that I, amazing? So we really don't know why the bucket was such a big deal. No. Okay. Bucket war. Checked off that bucket list. Oh, that's so bad. So punny. So bad. I know. That's just stupid. I judge all 32,000 invaders for thinking that Mm -hmm. was necessary. And the fact that they were routed in two hours. That is really pathetic. But maybe that shows how little the Bolognese really cared about retrieving the bucket. I mean, they had to go back to their pasta. Maybe they'd had too much wine. Delish. Okay, so did you know... About the Battle of Los Angeles. Yes. Not too terribly far from I did, you. actually. You actually knew about this? I did this know one? about the Battle of Los Angeles. I read about it in a in a museum at some point. In that case, don't do the supposition, but instead tell me your favorite conspiracy theory about oh, it. Oh, gosh. I mean, there are so many. I don't have a favorite conspiracy theory. I don't believe in UFOs. Mm. Okay. All right, tell us about the Battle of Los Angeles. The Battle of Los Angeles, the Great Los Angeles Air Raid, took place late February 24th-ish to early the 25th. So all within like 24 hours. 24 hours. Over the city of Los Angeles, sirens were sounded after about 25 aircraft were spotted in the sky. Blackouts were ordered as the 37th Coast Artillery Brigade began shooting the supposed quote, 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 aircraft. It was so intense that it cost the life of five civilians in which two fatalities were from heart attacks. Oh, it was so scary. They had a heart attack. Okay. Yep. Heart attacks due to the intensity of the firing. 
Surprisingly, this was later found to be a false alarm. The objects which were identified were probably some weather balloons, something very nondescript, but some obviously speculate that it was a UFO or UFO activity. Like, I know there where are I read a about lot this. of conspiracy theories on about. our trip across country when we moved out here. Alex and I went to Roswell. <gasps> Fabulous. Yes, and they have... It's like Conspiracy Theory Central. They have a UFO museum. I remember reading about this. So I can see that during World War II, with what was happening in Europe and all of these civilian bombings and air raids, I can see how seeing something in the sky yeah freak people out and the response would be aggressive and scary but when it never fought back did you think to stop or but this also was not right after pearl harbor but two and a half months very quickly tensions were high yeah so much so that two people had heart attacks i'm sure it was terrifying yeah but i had no idea about that so here's my question what goes up must come down okay they didn't hit anything Where did all those bullets go? Like, did they not notice? The bullets would have gone a long way, or a decent amount. It's dark, so you wouldn't have been able to see it until the morning. Yeah, but they gotta come down somewhere. Somebody was getting rained with bullets and for no apparent reason. Because they're shooting at nothing. It's not like it would be hitting... Yeah, it was a ton of rounds. Like an airplane, and then you'd see it it. come down. And they were firing a lot. (laughs) The Secretary of the Navy even had to come out and be like, Oh, sorry, false alarm. Are bad. Whoopsie daisies. When documenting the incident in 49, the United States Coast Artillery Association identified meteorological balloons. They were sent aloft at 1 a.m., starting all the shooting, and concluded that once the firing started, imagination created all kinds of targets in the sky, and everyone joined in. So it seems like people just like... Everybody got their gun out of their house and started shooting at stuff, which, first of all... Talk about stand your ground laws. There's something high up in the sky... Your average gun isn't going to yeah. do much. Sorry, Charlie. Your sawed-off shotgun but is not again, helping. Again, if you shoot straight up in the air, it's coming back. Yeah. No. Um, but I, I get it after Pearl Harbor. On February 24th, so right before this happened, the Office of Naval Intelligence had issued a warning that an attack on mainland California could be expected within the next 10 hours. Okay, I take it all back. It makes perfect sense that people were just shooting up into the air because they Mm -hmm. heard the sirens, they heard the firing, they were told it was going to happen imminently. One thing led to another. The alert was called at 7.18 p.m. and was lifted at 10.23, and the air raid sirens sounded at 2.25 a.m. So not only, Everyone is awoken from a dead sleep. 3.16 is when the Coast Artillery Brigade began firing. 50 caliber machine guns and 12.8 pound anti-aircraft shells into the air. What goes up must come down. I can't stress this enough. How did it not destroy some of the city? 14,000 shells were eventually fired. Pilots of the 4th Interceptor Command were alerted, but all aircraft remained grounded. Artillery fire continued sporadically until 4.14 a.m. The all-clear was given, and the blackout order was lifted at 7.21 a.m. What a perilous night. (laughs) 
What comes up must come down. Several buildings and vehicles were damaged by shell fragments and five civilians died as indirect result of the anti-aircraft fire. Three were killed in car accidents. Oh, the other two were heart okay. attacks. The incident was front page news, of course. Uh, yeah. It was embarrassing, yeah. I bet. Yeah. I have enjoyed our five weird military and there is no through line weird and wacky military no connection nope it just is because history just is and that my friends is that i'm erica and i'm caroline and we are pithily yours this episode is brought to you by the pithy chronicle llc the pithy chronicle is intended for education entertainment and non-commercial purposes any views or opinions expressed in this podcast are personal and do not represent those of people institutions or organizations that the owner may or may not be associated with in a professional or personal capacity while we offer lots of sarcasm this podcast does not offer any advice or services listening to this podcast may induce fits of laughter unexpected distraction or uncontrollable rage at the subjects hopefully not at us we hope you learned something today if not so sorry please be advised we are not experts in the following fields medical legal financial technological thermonuclear engineering submarine warfare neuroscience or cat husbandry thanks for listening to our little disclaimer just covering our history loving asses bye